Uh, we are looking at Shadows to Substance. I think we're in the ninth episode. The ninth episode. Why do you look surprised, Franka? You've not been following very well, huh? Oh, my goodness. All right. Praise the Lord. Yes. Now, as we are on this particular subject today, it's good to emphasize the reason why we are endeavoring to learn these things is not so that we can laugh at others and say, look at these guys. They're in their shadows. They are lost. I pity them. You know, that sometimes could be the language of the enlightened. <laughs> but rather it is to bring the reality of Christ more and more to our hearts. Hallelujah. Another thing is also we are not after breeding a group of rebels or raising people who are rebellious, but rather people who are sincere for the truth of the gospel so that we can continue sharing these realities of Christ Jesus. Amen. What we are reading from is not the opinions of Peter or Lynette or Kimingi. It is the scriptures that are bringing this reality to us. So please enjoy and allow the Lord to minister to you. Amen. Now, as we are looking at shadows, I think we have moved from the slide. Oh, we are good. As we are looking from shadows to substance, I remember reading to you 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 25 to 26. Praise the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 25 to 26. And I think, um, please bear with me, it is supposed to be Romans. I was doing this late in the night. I was half asleep. It's supposed to be Romans, okay? Chapter 16 from verse 25 to 26. Romans. It says, Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began but is now made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God made known to all the nations for the obedience of faith. This is a very important scripture because it contains the preaching of Jesus Christ. He, Paul says that God is able to establish you according to his gospel. God is able to establish you according to his gospel. What gospel was it? The preaching of Jesus Christ. I told you the word and is the word kai, which brings an emphasis. Are we together? It's not that the gospel and the preaching of Christ are two separate things. So Paul's gospel was the preaching of Jesus Christ. The preaching of Jesus Christ is according to the revelation of the mystery. The preaching of Jesus Christ is according to the revelation of the mystery. It means that there was a mystery and that mystery has now been revealed. The mystery was Christ concealed. The revelation is Christ unveiled. Christ disclosed or Christ seen. Are we together? So when we preach Christ, we preach Christ according to the revelation of the mystery. That means we look at the Old Testament and we are able to explain precious prophecies and promises that were fulfilled 
at the appearance of Jesus Christ. Praise be to Jesus. At the appearance of Jesus Christ. That's why in the book of Luke 24, somewhere verse 44, 45 there, Jesus, when he spoke to his disciples, told them, these are the things that I say to you that must be fulfilled. These are the things that I say to you that must be fulfilled. How that it behooved Christ to suffer and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations. And you are witnesses of this. The Bible says that he was able to quote from them, from the Psalms, from the prophets, and from Moses. So Moses, or the writings of Moses, the Psalms, and the prophets, all had spoken concerning the appearance of Jesus Christ. That is what we call the revelation of the mystery. So we preach Christ through the revelation of the mystery. Because the mystery has now been revealed, which happened at the appearance of Jesus Christ. He made the Father visible. He made the Father understandable, if I would use that word. The Bible says no one has ever seen God at any time, but Jesus, who is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. He has published him. Jesus has made the Father known. That's why he said to Philip, you have been with me all this time, yet you say, show us the Father. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. He is the image of the invisible God, the Bible says. He is the exact representation of God. Christ has revealed the Father to us. Praise be to Jesus. Now, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10 to 12, the word of God says, Of which salvation the prophets have inquired, and such diligently, who prophesied of the grace that shall come unto you. I want to bring this to your attention. Christ is preached according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but is now made manifest by the scriptures of the prophets. Made manifest by the scriptures of the prophets. Now, we see the scriptures of the prophets being mentioned here. It says, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and such diligently, who prophesied of the grace that shall come unto you. So what did the scriptures of the prophets say? They prophesied of the grace that shall come unto you. Such in what manner of time the spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. So what was the preaching of the prophets? What was the scriptures of the prophets saying? That this, there will be the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. So the spirit of God inspired them to prophesy about the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Praise be to Jesus. Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us did they minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. Praise the Lord. So, my wife told me I say praise the Lord a lot, so I'll try and tone down on that statement. It's just the way I try to get a response from y'all. Now, the preaching of the gospel, so the reporting 
whatever they said is now reported to us by them that have preached the gospel unto you by the Holy Ghost. Who are these? Who are these? The apostles. So the apostles were explaining the prophets. Are we together? The apostles and the prophets agree. When the Bible says that we have been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone, it didn't mean that the apostles and the prophets in your first body. If you are a teacher, your ministry is small. Look at you, I'm an apostle. You're just a mere teacher. Hallelujah, praise God. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the error. When it said the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, what it meant is the volume of the books that we have called the scriptures or the Bible right now is predominantly written Old Testament by prophets, New Testament explained by the apostles. That's the foundation. And that foundation, the cornerstone is Jesus. Do you understand? Kwemwe, I know you get this language very well. Do you understand foundation and you understand the cornerstone? All right? It's a very important stone, right? So the cornerstone is Jesus. So that means the foundation that was laid by the apostles and the prophets was one person, Jesus Christ. The dominating theme of their writings was Christ. He was the central theme of their testimony. Are we together? Hallelujah. That being said, we now come to this scripture. I read to you Colossians 2 verse 16 to 17. It says, So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holidays or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths or even birthdays and anniversaries. Praise the Lord. Church, hallelujah. Am I alone in this place? And all the men said, Amen. All right, praise the Lord. Let no one condemn you if you forget her birthday, brother. Let no one condemn you if you forget her anniversary, brother. Praise. All right, it's just on a light note. The Bible says, So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holidays or new moon ceremonies or sabbaths we have covered this in the feasts i told you that they follow the lunar calendar so the moon was very important for these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come and christ himself is that reality christ himself is that reality in the king james it says let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holiday or of the new moon, or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the bodies of Christ. The root meaning of this word body is the word substance. Is Christ. Are we together? The body is of Christ. The substance is Christ. And I told you, when you see the consistency of the scriptures, the bread will never be the body. The bread is only a symbol of the body. The body is Christ. The body is the church. Are we together? I don't know how it came to a point where we started discerning the Lord's body by looking at the bread that you're supposed to eat. Naomi Katania Elliot's. You're saying, Discern it, discern it. Are you okay? You start repenting, Father. I know I yesterday I was clubbing, but Father, forgive me. As I partake of this holy bread, let no sickness or condemnation come upon me. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> All right. The main questions we asked ourselves is 
Are we instructed to serve Holy Communion? Did Jesus institute the Passover? Did Paul institute the Holy Communion or the Passover? And these were the major scriptures that we read. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all gave accounts of that night that Jesus spent with his disciples. Are we together? Listen to the previous sermon if you want the details. I will not stick there. But what we said that was common in all those four books of the Gospels is the word Feast of Passover and Leavened Bread, Passover and Leavened Bread, Passover and Leavened Bread, which means that that particular night, the feast that they were having was the Feast of Passover and Unleavened Bread. Are we together up to that point? But then we established that Passover and Unleavened Bread have been fulfilled in Christ and the church. Because we said, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says, Purge out therefore the old living, that ye may be a new lamp, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. So Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. We have become free from sin. Therefore we are unleavened. So the symbols pointed to the reality which we live in right now in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So we are no longer eating unleavened bread. We're no longer observing the Passover, which of course, if you were to try and observe it, you would be so ridiculous. Why? Because the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread was meant only for the Jews. And if you were an outsider who came under a household of a Jew and you were to partake of it, there were certain requirements that were supposed to be undertaken over you. One of them was circumcision. So you wonder... Why are we sometimes looking at these things so dearly? Yet, you are a mukamba from Catalonia. You are not a Jew. Praise the Lord. So why do we sometimes try and strain over things that were not even for us? They were for a different tribe and community of people, for the Jews. That's why you see people with those prayer clothes. The ones that come from Israel. Praise the Lord. Whoever is selling that thing is profiting out of ignorance. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. <laughs> you know, I have a friend who, I have, a, I have somebody I know. Let me not disclose who it is. But they had a wax company. They used to develop candles. And one of their biggest clients were those guys of Kudundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundundund
So when you eat that bitter herbs, you remember the pain of Egypt. And you say no. So if ever you have been left by a lady or a man and you want to remember them, eat something bitter. You will remember that relationship. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right. You will remember. Ukikula kitukali utakumbuka. When you chew it, you remember. But if you're eating sweet things, you forget your pain. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All right. Now, the cup was explained. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for the, for many for the remission of sins. That was the symbolism of the cup. Are we together? But we will look at some other more explanations down, uh, down the road. But we also see the symbolism of cup, even when Jesus used it. When he said, let this cup pass away from me. You understand? But not my will, but thy will be done. So the cup was also symbolic of the blood that was shed for the remission of sins. Are we together? Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1 to 5 says, Moreover, brethren, I will not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. But with many of them God was not pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. You see the Bible is already using before we get to chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians where we talk about the Passover. The Bible is already talking to us in spiritual terms. Are we together? It's already telling us that the spiritual meat and the spiritual drink is Christ. That whatever they ate in the wilderness, they ate of that spiritual rock and that spiritual drink, which was Christ Jesus. Which was not the bread they ate or the water they drank. It was the preaching of the gospel that Moses was using symbols to teach them about Christ, but still they were stubborn. Because with every of these particular symbols, there was an element of rebellion in them. They were murmuring. Then God fed them. Are we together? They were murmuring. They expressed no confidence in God. They were depending on their selves. They saying, let's go back to Egypt. Egypt was our own sweat and toil. Even though it was hard, we still got something to eat anyway. Then God, by demonstrating grace, he gave them food. He gave them meat. He gave them drink in the wilderness. Nothing that they worked for. Are we together? They would go out and pick manna and it was enough for the day. Are we together? They would receive from God. God was demonstrating to them through symbols. Christ. And how we receive things from him freely. Not because we worked for them. Are we together? So the Bible is already speaking the language of the spirit. But now, as we move to 1 Corinthians 10, verse 16, 21, we also see the conversation happening. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. He's touching on the Passover and he's saying the cup is the communion of his blood, our participation in his blood. In the fact that we are partakers of that blood, we have been washed by that blood. And the bread which we break, it is the communion of the body of Christ, that we are part of the body of Christ. Are we together? We are all partakers of that bread. 
Behold, Israel after the flesh are not they which eat of the sacrifice, partakers of the altar. What say I then that the idol is anything? So he was addressing idol worship. And he talked about the cup of devils, showing a distinction between the fellowship of Christ and the fellowship of darkness. He was using feasts to explain spiritual realities. Are we together? Just follow with me. So what we concluded is Jesus is teaching realities from figures of speech and symbols. He's not giving them symbols, but pointing their attention to the realities. Jesus was teaching in an illustrative manner. All the elements of the Passover are in a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. And we looked at John chapter 6, verse 48 to 58. The language used, Jesus is the bread of life. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. The bread that I will give is my flesh and which I will give for the life of the world, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Praise the Lord. And I will not touch on it there. Now let's go to 1 Corinthians 11. Are you enjoying this? Are you enjoying this? Hallelujah. Should I begin to vibrate? Dominus Kevisori, praise God. Now, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23 to 26. For I have received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus the same night which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he break it and say, Take it, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do as you often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Are we together? As long as you eat of the bread and drink of the blood. Now in John chapter 6, the eating and the drinking, is it literal? Is it literal? It is believing the gospel. Are we together? Now, let's break this particular passage a bit. The words we will look at, which you see that I have highlighted here, received, delivered, break, broken, remembrance, eat, body. We will look at these words. So these are the words that we will pay our attention on. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now we'll start with the word received. The word received is the word para mbalano. Parambalano. Wow. Parambalano. Sounds like one of those gengeton songs, eh? Parambalano. It says to receive something transmitted or receive something by being told. It is used 11 times in Paul's epistles and two more times in the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 1, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein ye stand. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 3, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Amen. So, received is to receive something transmitted or receive something by being told. What was the context? The night that Jesus died. Are we together? We are not saying that everything Paul received was things that he was told. There are some, it's the Lord who ministered to him. Are we together? But the context we are talking about is the night of the Passover. So, Paul uses the word received on that night of the Passover. 
He said, For I have received of the Lord which I also delivered unto you. This received is parambalano, which means he received it from someone. Are we together? So the other time I preached, I told you, if Paul knew the events that took place that night and he was not there, there are only two ways he would have known. One, he would have been told or he would have received them by revelation from the Spirit. But now we can clarify he was told by those who were eyewitnesses that night. Are we together? Paul was communicating what was passed down to him by men. Galatians chapter 1 verse 16 to 18. It says to reveal, sorry, to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me. But I went into Arabia and returned again to Dam unto Damascus. Then after three years I went up to, to Jerusalem. I went up to Jerusalem. To see Peter and abode with him. Fifteen days. Are we together? Acts chapter 9 verse 25. And then 28, um, 28 says. Then the disciples took him by night. And let him down by the wall in a basket. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem. He assayed to join himself to the disciples. But they were all afraid of him. And believed not that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him. And brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how that he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And he was with them coming in and going out at. So this is evidence that Paul had interaction with the apostles. Are we together? It is this interaction that Paul also had their account of the last supper. That Jesus had with them. Are we together? So when Paul is saying I received of the Lord. Which I delivered unto you. He says that he received it from the apostles. Because they are the ones who were eyewitnesses that evening. Are we together? So the thing that Jesus did. Which was the breaking of bread. And the sharing of the cup. Paul learned about what Jesus did. That demonstration, he learned it from those who were present. And those who were present were the apostles. Are we together? Then he says, delivered. So I received. What did Paul say? For I received of the Lord that which I also delivered. So what is to deliver? Delivered. No. No. Um, I think I put the wrong word here. Um, I think I mixed the slides, but I will get you the right one. But to deliver also has this. The use of the word delivered in this context implies they were taught. That means Paul was going to teach them. That means what Paul was going to teach them was something they must have been familiar with. Paul was giving them an instruction using this analogy, not handing down a tradition. In other portions he used, Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember in all things and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. First Corinthians 15 verse 34, I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ for our sins uh, died for our sins according to the scriptures. So the word delivered means it was something that was taught. Are we together? 
It was a reality that was taught. Something that was taught. So I received of the apostles and I also taught you. Are we together? It was not just saying, your day, yes, well, even Dibre, Naka Kunua, Kamnueso, Buddha. It was, no, 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 he was teaching. Praise the Lord. He was teaching, praise God. My wife is, she doesn't get sharing. What is Kamnueso? Break. Another word, break. Are we together? Remember all these words are from this context, 1 Corinthians 11, 23-26. So the word break means plow, to break literally. It is used 18 times in, the, in Paul's epistles. However, in Bible language, the word break means to share. So what he was saying here was the sharing of the bread. It means there was a literal sharing of bread. Yet he used the events of the Passover feast to exemplify to them. So it means literally that he broke and shared. That's what it means. He broke bread and shared. Are we together? Why did he break bread and share? So that everyone can partake of it. Praise the Lord. And Jesus said, this bread is his body that has been broken down for us. Question. Did it mean that Jesus' limbs were found somewhere else? And his fingers another place? And his bones? And Does it mean that his body was literally dismembered? discombobulated praise the lord that's not what it means it means when he says his body is broken down like the bread was broken down so that many can partake of it his body has been offered so that we can all partake of it we are all partakers of christ are we together praise the lord because the bible there was a prophecy about christ that none of his bones will be broken are we together so it doesn't mean literally that his body was broken down, but it means that the same way bread was broken and everyone shared, the same way his body has been broken down for all of us to partake of it, but it's not literally. Amen. If you've understood that, say, I hear you. I feel you. So, are we together? All right. Memorial is a word I want us to pay attention to before I touch on remembrance. All right. Remember, we are still in this list here. We have looked at the received, delivered, break, remembrance. Okay. But I want to show you something from the book of Exodus. The night that Jesus was doing the demonstration, he was using what feast to demonstrate? Passover. Which means he was telling them, this Passover that you've been eating for years, for 15 years. I've been eating Passover for 15 years. Eh? Stop wasting time. Huh? Whatever you've been eating for all these years and for centuries, whatever your forefathers have been eating, praise the Lord. Are we together? He was using Passover to explain himself. He was telling them, this Passover is me. I am the fulfillment of this Passover. It was pointing to me. Are we together? So, something that was also very significant about Passover is why did they keep the feast of Passover? It was a shadow. But what was the purpose of that shadow? And the day, Exodus 12, verse 14 to 17. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial. Memorial. This would be a reggae song. Memorial. 
<laughs> you remember that one? <laughs> hey, and this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations, and ye shall keep it a feast for an ordinance forever. Seven days shall ye eat unleavened bread, even the first day ye shall put away, living out of your houses. For whosoever eateth leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. And in the first day, there shall be a holy convocation. And in the seventh day, there shall be a holy convocation to you. No manner of work shall be done in them, save that which every man must eat, that only may be done of you. And ye shall observe, pay attention, the feast of unleavened bread. For in the selfsame day have I brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day in your generations by an ordinance forever. So why were they observing it? So that they can remember that God on the same day brought them out of the land of Egypt. Are we together? So they were doing it to remember that the Lord brought them out of Egypt. They were eating the Passover to remember that the Lord brought them out of Egypt. But now Christ is our Passover. So have we eaten him? Have we eaten his flesh and drunk his blood? Have we eaten his flesh and drunk his blood? Yes, we have. Praise the Lord. So by eating his flesh and drinking his blood, do we do it continually or we did it once when we believed the gospel? So when we ate of his flesh and drank of his blood once, it remains forever to us a memory that we have been cleansed from our former sins. We have been delivered from bondage and we are into his marvelous light. Praise the Lord. Because we ate Christ. Are we together? They had to do it time and time again because they were in the shadows. But we are in the substance. We did it once. And we partook of it. Now, the word memorial was translated from the Hebrew word zikron. From the root word zakar. It implies to think about something. Think about something. To bring to mind. Are we together? Think about something and bring it to mind. It deals with thought patterns. It deals with thought patterns. The essence of the feast was for the Jews to meditate or consider what happened to them in Egypt, which was deliverance from the hand of the Egyptians. Hallelujah. So the Passover was for a memorial to them. And the purpose of it was to bring to mind, to think about something. They were to consider what happened to them in Egypt, which was deliverance from the hand of the Egyptians. So as long as they kept the feast, they remembered that God delivered them from the hand of the Egyptians. As long as they kept the feast, it came to their mind. They thought about God's deliverance from the oppression of Egypt. Hallelujah. When we do it in remembrance, praise the Lord. When we proclaim the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we do it with the awareness. It comes to mind that we have been freed from our sins and that we have been delivered from the oppression of darkness and we are in the glorious light. Liberty is our portion in Christ Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. And so, 
The word remembrance is the word anamnesis, which is a synonym of the word zikron and zakah that I mentioned to you. It means to bring into mind, to bring to mind, to bring to mind, to think about. And Jesus was not asking the disciples to continually eat the Passover. Or rather, he was explaining and putting the attention on himself as the fulfillment. The reality of the Passover feast is Jesus Christ. It therefore suffices to say that the Passover feast was to teach the Jews in expectation. More like a promissory note of God's salvation from sin in the sacrifice of Jesus. Are we together? So the feast was prophetic to talk about the deliverance of Jesus. But also it reminded them about their freedom from Egypt. But for us who are in the substance, we are no longer keeping that feast anymore. Christ, our Passover, has been offered for us. Hallelujah. He was offered once and for all. By one sacrifice, he has sanctified us. Hallelujah. He has perfected us by one sacrifice. So we remember that we are freed from him the more we proclaim our identity in Christ. Hallelujah. So in Luke 22 verse 20, Jesus uh, talks about the cup of the New Testament that was shed for us. And you remember Jesus is saying this cup is the New Testament of my blood which is shed for you. But he was talking about something that is to happen. Are we together? He was telling them this is what is shed for you, which is going to happen. So Jesus pointed out what they have been doing for several centuries to himself. He was basically trying to tell them, when you see me shedding my blood, it is the fulfillment of this feast that you have been having for such a long time. Amen. First Corinthians 5, 7 reminds us, for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Hallelujah. So when we talk about remembrance, we talk about thinking about it. Praise the Lord, thinking about it. But I have a question for y'all. How many of you really think about Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and the significance of it whenever you eat bread and drink the cup? Is that the only way you can remember about him? How do you remember about him? How do you think about his sacrifice? How do you think about the realities of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection? How do you think about it most of the time? By? By reading the word. Praise the Lord. There are people who don't read the word and they eat that bread and drink that cup. You wonder how do they really think about his death, burial, and resurrection? How do they really think about it? How do they think about it? Because it was not just a recollection. It required meditation. It required a bit of pondering. So how do they meditate on his death, burial, and resurrection if they don't read the scripture? Hallelujah. Now the word shoe, which says as long as you, as long as you do this, you show the Lord's death till he come. The word shoe, and I've shared this notes in your WhatsApp, uh, in the WhatsApp group. The word shoe was translated from the Greek word katagelo. Katagelo. And it implies to proclaim, to preach, to speak, of. Are we together? Proclaim, preach, speak of. It was used seven times 
by the Apostle Paul in his writing, it is clearly seen that the word shoe in 1 Corinthians 11.26 will imply preaching. Hence, it implied, he implied that the practice of this feast proclaimed or thought uh, proclaimed or taught, sorry, the death of the Lord. Now listen. These are the references of that word. Firstly, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the world. It is shown throughout the world. First Corinthians 2.1 says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, I came not with excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. In this other portion, 1 Corinthians 9.14, it says, Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. So, Katajelo is to preach. Hallelujah. It is to preach the gospel. It is to preach the gospel. It is literal preaching. We don't show the Lord's death when we eat and drink that cup. Because there are so many people who eat and drink of it and they don't understand the gospel. To show it as long as you do this, as long as you do this, as long as we do what? As long as we proclaim Christ Jesus, we show his death till he come. As long as we are understanding these realities of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection in the substance, we proclaim his death until he come. We preach his death, burial, and resurrection. That's why Paul said, the gospel that was delivered to you, him and which he has delivered is that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Amen. Are we together? Now, eat and drink figuratively used in the Bible. We see it in Genesis, we see it in Proverbs 13 verse 2, which says, A man shall eat good by the fruit of his mouth, but the soul of the transgressors shall eat violence. Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. But Jesus answered and said, you know what he asked, are you able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And we also see 1 Corinthians chapter 10, which talks about eating the same spiritual meat and drinking the same spiritual drink. We see it in Corinthians used figuratively. Eating and drinking is a spiritual affair. Are we together? Are we together? And then finally the body. Please understand this. The body. The word body was translated from the Greek word soma. It refers to the church as seen in the same epistle. Now, please remember, we don't read the Bible in chapters and verses. So the letter to the Corinthians was one continuous letter let us see how he used the word body let us see if he used it more for bread or for the church in first corinthians chapter 12 verse 12 for as the body is one and hath many members and all the members of that one body being many are one body so also is christ first corinthians 12 17 if the whole body were an eye where were the hearing if the whole body were hearing where were the smelling ephesians 1 23 and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head of all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him that filleth all in all ephesians 4 14 that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slate of men and cunning craftiness whereby the lie in wait 
to deceive. Ephesians 5.23 For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. So the body is spoken of as the church. The body is spoken of, praise the Lord, as Christ. As Christ. So the church and Christ are one. He is the head of the body. Are we together? So it is one body. The head and the body are not separate. It is one. So we are one body. Are we together? So the Bible is telling us that we are one body. So when we read 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and this we will look at when we talk about discerning the Lord's body. How did we arrive that discerning the Lord's body is looking at that bread that you eat? Which again, if you were to follow things by the letter, that bread should be unleavened. And many people do not eat unleavened. As a matter of fact, people even have debates. What if you don't have unleavened bread? Can you eat bread and drink some juice? And some of the juice you drink is not even the fruit of the vine. <laughs> Are we together? So if you were to follow it literally, then you will be having to eat unleavened bread. Some guys even say I had communion with crackles. Zingy lemon or chili something. But it was still communion. And some of them make it chili so they say it's almost close like bitter herbs. Huh? You can imagine. We don't even follow it to the letter as it was practiced. So clearly, what we can see is that there was no institution of the Passover that particular night. Nobody was telling us Jesus was demonstrating a spiritual reality using elements. Are we together? Another thing that debunks our practice is it was in the middle of a feast. We don't even do the feast. While they were eating, while they were eating, they did that. As we don't eat, we just come with those things and then we come and queue and then it's given to you in a very sanctimonious way. And I, and I remember something funny. <laughs> I was having this discussion uh, with Pastor Patrick while I was in uh, Kisumu this week. And Alan came in and he drew curiosity and he listened to it. And he was like, ah, oh, you guy, we've been doing this thing, Ivivi. Kumbe, it's not true. And the way I see my wife looking so sanctimonious. <laughs> that was so funny. But the idea behind this is, even in our practice, we don't follow it the way they did. We don't set tables. Another thing, Passover was, was partaken in households. Because you have to do it with your family and in households. Are we together? Is it true? Yeah. We, we don't do it that way. So in so many ways, we have... We, we, we cannot say we are practicing the, whatever was being practiced that night because we are not following it to the letter. But some would argue and say, he only said you do this in remembrance of me. Only whatever he broke and whatever he had in the cup. But for it to be broken and for it to be available in a cup, it had to be cont contained in the feast. Are we together? Because it was the elements of the feast that he partook of. So again, we see that we are really trying to learn the realities here. And the realities is Christ. Now let me point something to your attention. The supper. The Lord's Supper. And please let us... The question is, the night that Jesus was with the disciples, was it the Passover? Yes. Another question. When Paul was talking to them, how they were misbehaving, was he talking about the Passover? 
What kind of feast was Paul addressing? That's really important. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, I couldn't put all these things on the screen, but if you open your Bibles in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Hallelujah. It talks about very interesting things. Now, before we get to verse 17, please remember, chapter 10, he has spoken about spiritual meat and spiritual drink. And he has talking about us being partakers of, the, of, of, of Christ. He has, he has spoken about the communion in the blood and the communion in the bread. Are we together? Explaining spiritual realities in chapter 10. Now, chapter 11, in between the conversation, Paul is addressing issues of conduct in the church. If you realize, before he came and spoke about the Lord's table, he was addressing even issues of hairstyle. Hallelujah. Yes, in verse 11, he said, nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man is in the Lord. For as the woman is the man, judge yourselves. Then he talks about hair in verse 14. Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now we can start telling Brian, go and shave everything. Praise the Lord. But you see, he was addressing certain issues now in the Corinthian church. Are we together? But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her. There's some people will say, if you don't have long hair as a woman, you don't have any glory. You see how we can misinterpret scriptures. But Paul says in verse 16, but if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. Are we together? Then now he talks about the Lord's Supper. He goes back to it. He had taken a detour because he had started speaking about it in chapter 10. Then he takes a detour, now he comes to the Lord's Supper. Now listen. He says, now this I declare unto you, I praise you not, that ye come together not for the better, but for the worse. First of all, when ye come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. Where were they coming together? Where were they coming together? In the church. Here. It says when ye come together in the church. Are we together? First of all, when ye come together in the church, I hear there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. For there must also be heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. When ye come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper, that's the question, is it the Passover? Because the Passover was supposed to be eaten in households. But this one, they were coming together. He was addressing the church. He was not addressing households. Passover was eaten in households. Are we together? You remember in Exodus 12, they put the blood on the doorpost and the lintel and the angel of death passed over them. It was not a convocation where they were together. People ate with their families the Passover. This is the church coming together, which already shows you to a certain degree this was not the Passover he was talking about. Are we together? It says, when you come together therefore in one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, one taketh before the other his own supper, and one is angry and another is drunken. What have ye not, not houses to eat and drink in, or despise ye the church of God and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. 
Then he says, now, for I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered to you. Question, what was Paul addressing with the Corinthians? What was the issue he was addressing? Divisions. He was addressing divisions. Are we together? Paul was addressing divisions in the church. They were sidelining one another. They had factions. They were heresies. They were all these issues. Are we together? But he was using what example to teach them or to address the issue? He was using the Passover night. What was the lesson of the Passover that Jesus was trying to demonstrate to the body? That he is the fulfillment of the Passover and also their unity because they are one body. So Paul is addressing people who are divided by trying to show them that they are one body. And he's using the example that Jesus used to explain unity. Are we together? So Paul was not instituting a feast. He was trying to show them oneness. Are we together? Now, the word Lord's Supper is the key word. In the Greek, the word supper was translated from the Greek word deipnon, which was used for dinner, afternoon, evening, often a meal taken after midday. It is from the word dapane, which implies something you eat well. It was used in the New Testament Greek. Now let's look at the language in the Bible. Mark 6.21, And when a convenient day was come, that Herod on his birthday made a supper to his lords, high captains, and chief estates of Galilee. We see Herod using the same word supper. Luke 14, 12 verse 14 says, Then he said to them that bade him, When thou makest a dinner or a supper, call not thy friends, nor thy brethren, nor thy kinsmen, nor thy rich neighbors, lest they also bid thee again, and a recompense be made. But when thou makest a feast, call the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and thou shalt be blessed, for they cannot recompense thee, for thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. John told 12, they made him a supper and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. John 21, 20, then Peter turning about, see the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, which is he that betray thee? So we see the word supper used. In the book of Revelation, it is used figuratively for the marriage feast of the Lamb. In 1 Corinthians 11, we see that the discussion was on supper, also known as love feast. He did not mention bread and wine here as he was dealing with the Passover, but divisions among them. He did not mention bread and wine here as he was not dealing with the Passover, but divisions among them. We see the practice in the book of Jude. It says these are sports in your feasts of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, clouds there without water, carried about winds, trees whose fruit with the rest, without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. So we see that they had feasts of charity, which were love feasts. Now, love feasts or charity feasts, there are further examples. Acts 2.42 and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and single of heart. And in those days, the number of disciples were multiplied. And you see the issue of the widows who were neglected, the issue of serving tables. Acts 20.11, when therefore was come up again, he had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even till the day, break of day, so he departed. This is where Eutychus died and was fed. 
Luke 24 verse 30 on the road to Emmaus. Jesus again, he took bread and blessed it. Break and gave to them. Matthew 14, 19. And he commanded the multitude to sit down and took five loaves and two fishes and looking up to heaven, he blessed and he break and gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. So we see a language of breaking bread used several in the Bible. Are we together? They used to break bread together. It was a culture amongst them, breaking bread. So Paul is addressing they have bad behavior when it comes to breaking bread. They are not waiting for one another. They are finishing for each other, which means if they had to wait for one another, they had to congregate somewhere. Are we together? And there are those who are waiting for not for each other. He was not addressing a household. He was addressing the church. Passover was eaten by a household. Are we together? Passover was eaten by a household. But this one is the gathering together of believers where they used to finish food for one another. Another thing about Passover, it was so solemn in its administration. This one, guys were even getting drunk. Ilikuwa sherehe. Are we together? They were getting drunk. They were having factions between them. Right? Factions. They were those who were despised because of their status. Right? Do you think he was talking about a one household here? A home? No. He was talking about the church. Now, what are the lessons we learn from this? Paul in 1 Corinthians 11 used Jesus' teaching as the reality of the Passover to talk about fellowship and oneness. Also, Paul said in the same 1 Corinthians 10 that we are partakers of one body. His reference to the practice of the Passover feast was to explain oneness, recalling that they ate with their household in Exodus chapter 12 as well as in the book of Acts. So why love feast and not Passover? Passover was eaten by respective families or households Whereas in 1 Corinthians 11, there is the coming together of brethren. There is no mention of bread and wine in this context. Paul's advice was if one is hungry, let them eat at home first. Ah, if you're hungry, eat at home first. But Passover is supposed to be eaten at home. Are we together? So that means they were not even having this meal at home. Make sense? They were not having it at home. Because he's saying if you're hungry, eat at home for the love feast. Are we together? But Passover was eaten at home. And it was eaten once a year. So he was addressing conduct within the context. Thus there was a possibility of frequency for this feast. As opposed to Passover once a year. Are we together? There was a frequency. There's a possibility that there was a frequency of these particular feasts. Now, what do we draw out of this? Like the way Peter explains baptism, which we learn by, from Pastor Dinette in days to come. He uses the word, the like figure where unto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The word like figure is the word representation. The representation where unto even baptism. Baptism is a representation. And he talks about 
how baptism saves us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God, but the resurrection of the dead. So baptism was just to help the guys who are not spiritual enough, praise God, to get into water. So when they go in, they feel like I died, they come out, I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus, praise the Lord. If it was a recommendation, if it was a demand, Paul would not have said, Christ did not call me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Paul will not have said, I am even glad that I did not baptize many of you. You remember when Paul said that? Because there was also divisions about baptism. And Paul said, I am even glad that I did not baptize many of you. I only baptized, he mentioned one particular household and another. Praise God. Are we together? So, the idea is not to be fixated on the elements, but on Christ Jesus. And now, Hebrews chapter 9 verse 8 to 12 which I believe is one of the last verses that we are reading, says this. The Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest. While as the, feast, while as the first tabernacle was yet standing, which was a figure, the same word, the tabernacle which was a figure for the time present, in which this is the order of the first tabernacle before the revelation of Christ in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices. Gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience, which stood only in meats and drinks. In meats and drinks, which also Passover was one of them. Meats and drinks. That's how that was the order of the old covenant. It says, in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect, as pertaining to the conscience, which stood only in meats and drinks and in diverse washings and carnal ordinances. And it's good for you to understand the night that Jesus was betrayed, the Last Supper, what was contained in his demonstrations was meats and drinks and diverse washings. Are we together? This was what was contained. There was washings. They washed their, he washed their feet to explain also a spiritual reality. They are called carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation. The time of reformation. The time of reformation is the appearing of Christ. The Bible says, but Christ being come. Christ being come, and high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and cows, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. If Jesus has obtained eternal redemption for you, then your redemption is not in cups and bread your redemption is not in drinks and bread in meats and drinks your redemption is in the perfect sacrifice of jesus christ that has obtained for us eternal redemption for us because by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place and he secured for us eternal redemption hallelujah so the phrase Christ being calm implies Christ is the body and the reality of the symbols. 
the time of reformation has come where we reformed from the elements to the reality we reformed from the shadows to the substance we reformed from symbols to the body which is Christ Jesus the phrase Christ being come implies Christ is the body the reality of the symbols Moses gave symbols using bread and wine to teach redemption under the law though he preached the message but he used the symbols to convey this these do not communicate life but rather they point to the life figuratively life and forgiveness of sins are in the body the message the person Christ Jesus they're in the person of Christ Jesus they're in the person of Christ Jesus so the question is if you don't have bread or wine does it mean that you're utterly condemned that you cannot experience the realities of the risen Christ because you have no bread or cup in your house is that what it means that if you don't eat bread and drink of a cup your life is doomed where in the Bible do you see the eating of bread and the drinking of cup as a source of healing where do you see it administered as a source of healing such as I have I give unto you in the name of Jesus Christ rise up and walk did they give him bread and drink praise the Lord when Jesus healed many did he use bread and drink to heal people I have a question did the apostles use bread and drink to heal people where did this come from when you hear men say there are mysteries of the communion our communion is with Christ Jesus it is a spiritual reality we have partaken of the spiritual meat and the spiritual drink and the spiritual rock which is Jesus Christ praise the Lord we ate of his flesh and drank of his blood we have eternal life in us hallelujah beloved if drinks and bread was burned in your location where you dwell will you stop experiencing the realities of Jesus Christ if there was no bread or drink where you dwell there's only beans beans and ugali will you stop experiencing the realities of Christ no that is why it is good for us to understand when they spoke about discerning the Lord's body and I repeat this again the Corinthian church had an issue with discerning the Lord's body the Lord's body is not bread the Lord's body is the church bread was a symbol the reality is the church so discerning of the Lord's body is that they never discerned one another they had divisions when you don't have discernment of the Lord's body you treat fellow believers badly we will have factions in this church we will have divisions in this church there will be those who will feel they are more important than others therefore they are not discerning the Lord's body how to, what does it mean to discern, to discern to examine I see you and I realize that you are loved and precious by Christ Jesus therefore I should also treat you so and not treat you lightly or consider you to be useless 
Praise the Lord. It means that I don't boss over you or be rude or uncouth with you because I understand that you are so precious and that the value of your life is the value of the Savior's death. The value of your life is the life of God. That is what it took to secure you. That you are that precious. So when I have discernment of the body, I understand the value of the brethren. And I cherish and esteem them with godly love. The Corinthian church did not understand that. That's why they, have, they had arguments. Some said I was baptized by Paul. Some said I was baptized by, uh, by, by Cephas. And some said by Apollos. Some said I belong to Paul. Some said I belong to Cephas. Some said I belong to Apollos. They had divisions. Praise the Lord. They had divisions among us themselves. And there's something I wanted to share um, with you. This is a slide that I skipped and I wanted to share with you. The Jews believed that eating with Gentiles means identification with them. This was seen with Jesus and Zacchaeus. Luke 19, 7 says, and when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. Acts eleven three saying, thou wentest into men and circumcised and did eat with them. So eating for them was very significant. If you ate with somebody, it means that you have agreed with them. If I eat with you, I have agreed with you. Look at the language used here. 2 John chapter 1, verse 10 to 11. If anyone comes to your meeting and does not teach you the truth about Christ, don't invite that person into your home or give any kind of encouragement. Anyone who encourages such people becomes a partner in their evil work. You're saying don't even allow them into your house. That means don't engage with them because if you allow somebody into your house, it's almost inevitable that you will offer them something. Are we together? Look at this, 1 Corinthians 5, 11. But now I have written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner. With such one, no, not to eat. He's saying not even eat with them. <laughs> this is in the book of First Corinthians chapter 5, before, just after he had said, Christ our Passover has been sacrificed with us. He said, if a man is living contrary to the don't even eat with them. Because if you eat with them, you have partaken of their sin. That's how eating was so important, that Jesus used eating to show them unity of the table. If you eat together, you are one. That's why the disciples continue with their practice in their love feast. They ate together to show the oneness that was amongst them. Beloved, these things were referring to the body, which is the church, and not symbols. Are we together? Not symbols. Now the question is, again, what if I am offered? Eat. It doesn't harm you. Nobody will judge you based on meats and drinks, so please, eat. Are we together? We're not saying go and riot. But we're explaining to you why here we will not be eager to feed you bread and give you of the cup. Because we will be not walking in the reality. 
of the substance. And also it will cost us money. We can save on that one, praise the Lord, as long as you embrace the reality. Beloved, we can see it from the scriptures that eating and drinking is the believing of the gospel. Eating and drinking is the believing of the gospel. Therefore, let us not allow ourselves to be entangled again by that limitation. I ask you, where have you seen in the Bible that they gave people bread and wine for healing? Where do you see it? People talk about the mysteries. Where do you see it in the scripture? Where do you see it? Do you see it? Have you ever seen it in the scripture? And we stand and we tell people, there is a mystery in this thing that you're about to eat. So we put our confidence in that bread. Now when I eat that bread, I, I remember I used to drink that thing and then I used to say, God, it is cleansing every, every, everything in me. There is no cancer in me. When that drink comes in, in Osha, I used to say that. There was a day I was having a stomach upset and I was taking communion waiting to see if the constipation will end because I was treating that thing that I am sipping as medication. That is me. I don't know what you did. Imagine I used to think that way. At the moment I chew it, it's like I'm eating medicine that is coming into my body to heal. How many of you ever thought that way? Oh, I'm not alone. Praise the Lord. But you see, that is taking us away from the reality which is Christ. Now, why is it important to say this? Because what tends to happen is the more we put our confidence in these elements, we go full-blown. There is no limitation. Is it true? Now we will move to oils and put our confidence in oils. We will put our confidence in water. We will put our confidence. How many of you have ever been baptized more than once in your life? How many? Just lift your hand, don't be shy. How many of you have ever been baptized with water more than once? I have. Who else? Because we always felt it is not enough, right? Yeah, now I have a better revelation. So when I go for that baptism, when I am entering the water, I come out, hey, in power. It is because that is the problem. Do you see? That is the problem. So you will stop believing Christ and be waiting for bread and a cup to gain your miracle. When I took communion now, doors opened. Really? Are there doors that are not opening without eating communion? Yes. I have been baptized more than once with water. There's even a time I was in the pool and I said, let me baptize myself. And I came out. I have done it because I never believed the gospel. I never believed the truth of what Christ has done. So I put my confidence in the practices. And what happens is the more you are putting your confidence in the practices, the more you will have a ministry that has dependent people. There will be an overdependence on the pastor and the pastor will burn out. Have you ever seen those kind of ministries? They are always going to be prayed for. The man of God is always being followed. Even the meeting cannot start before he walks in. People think he has walked in with a presence. They are waiting for the prophet. You see believers, who do you mean here? Guy, I hope it's an illocate. Huh? I mean, I, I, it's true. It's true. Man of God, locate me. Man of God, locate me. We think he's the one who has come with the presence. These are the problems in the church. And that's why people have been exploited. That's why licenses are being revoked. <laughs> People have sold water and all these things. Beloved, 
beloved, again, we are not about breeding rebels. We are not about sowing rebellion into your heart. We are trying to set you free. Because what Christ has done for you is beautiful. Praise the Lord. I've always told parents, again, please hear me. Please hear me. Even with things like baby dedication, let me explain to you something. Do you realize we still think it in the olden ways because we saw Samuel being taken to the temple? We still think, we think that our child will have the power of God if a certain man of God has laid hands on that child. And you are the parent. Who has the spirit of God? What better person to lay hands on that child than the parent? I am telling you the truth. Isn't that the truth? We always feel like it is... I mean, lazima mumlete kwangu aliombewa na pastor flani. You are the parent. You have authority over that child. When you prophesy over to lay hands on that child, that child will grow up in the ways of the Lord because of your prayers. Beloved, don't look at yourself cheaply. Yes, we can have it as a commemoration of celebration here in church. We can do it for that. So we, we all remember that day. But that day when we do it, parents will lay hands on their children and they will speak over their lives. I will just be a witness there and you will prophesy. You will prophesy over those children. Hallelujah. You have it in you. You have it in you. This is the reason why you'll take your children for dedication and then you will have to pay 10K. You will have to leave money. And people wonder why are Christians broke. Now you can see where their money goes. That's why people have wasted their years. Beloved, let us enjoy the freedom and the liberty that is ours in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Are you blessed? Are you blessed? The bread is not the body. You are the body. People were sick in Corinth because they never took care of each other. They neglected one another. That's why people got sick. And I say it again. If you have known anyone who has ever died because they ate communion unworthily, or you know somebody who's in sick because they ate communion unworthily, please lift up your hand. All of a sudden, Beloved, no. No. How many of you do you know? How many do you know? Nelly, how many do you know? Can you count? We even know guys who eat it when they are high, like a kite. And they live there very okay. <laughs> and they go home. I remember when we, were, when, we were in, when we were in primary school, we used to go to attend local churches. There was a Catholic church and there was a Protestant church and we would decide which one we want to go to. The day of, we used to go to the Catholic church and we used to have this game between us that when the priest is giving me the cup, I will sip a lot, I will push it. So we used to go. When he's putting it, you push it so you can take more. Then you come and tell guys, we used to do that. God, God was, we never died. We are still here. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We are free in Christ. We have freedom and liberty. Beloved, enjoy your liberty please see a life that is fulfilling and happy have joy in your life don't be a sad christian experience the joy and the liberty that is yours in christ jesus amen
as they sing, we shall do our giving. Um, and uh, I pray that the, as you give, give with a heart that is cheerful and a heart that is joyful. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm free indeed, in Christ I'm free indeed, no chains are holding me, it's who I choose to be, I'm free indeed, in Christ I'm free indeed, it's who I'm meant to be. And it's who I choose to be. I'm free. I'm free indeed. I'm free in Christ. I'm free indeed. No chains, no chains are holding me. To what you choose to be. I'm free indeed. I'm free in Christ. I'm free indeed. No chains are holding me. In Christ I'm free indeed, no chains are holding me, it's who I choose to be. I'm free, I'm free indeed, I'm free in Christ, I'm free indeed, and no chains are holding me, it's who I'm meant to be, it's who I'm meant to be. Thank you so much for that wonderful song. I want to just open your mouth and declare your freedom and liberty in Christ. Celebrate because of how wonderful you have liberty in Christ Jesus. Hey, we bless you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus for your great freedom for your great liberty we bless you father we honor you because of how wonderful it is to be free in you we bless you jesus we thank you you are wonderful you are wonderful we bless you we bless you we bless you, bless you. Bless you jesus we bless you hallelujah